just hear what God is busy doing. And so this morning, I would like to, us to look at a question that I think all of us ask ourselves, and that is, how do I know what God wants me to do? And the key to answering this question is the Holy Spirit. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the counselor, and so we'll get into that a little bit later, but um, if you've got your Bible, I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 16, and this is going to be our key verse for this morning, Acts chapter 16, and we're going to read from verse 6. So it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now I want you to take note of that. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Marcia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Marcia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so I think one of the biggest questions for us as believers and even for those who don't believe is, why am I here? And for us as children of God, there are many scriptures that the Word of God gives us as to why we are here. And so I'd like us just to quickly have a look at three of them. And the first one is Isaiah 49 verse 1. And it says, listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. He spoke my name. And so before you were born, the Lord knew who you were going to be, and he had a plan and a purpose for your life before you were born. And so, how do I put this in a way that's not going to offend anyone? There are no eclipses. There are no mistakes. Yes, people mess up. But those little children that are born, they are not a mistake. And God has a plan and a purpose for each one of their lives. In Jeremiah 29, the first part of that verse says, I know, uh, I know the plans that I have for you. God knows the plans he has for our lives. And in John 15, verse 16, he says, You did not cho choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Not just any kind of fruit, but fruit that will last. See, God's word makes it very clear that we are not just here to take up space and oxygen. But we are designed and born for a purpose. Just as God sent Jesus to the earth for a purpose. 
And that was a specific purpose to accomplish the plans of God. The plan of salvation. And so there's a plan that Jesus wants us to follow. There's a plan that he wants us to carry out. He wants us to accomplish the plans and the purposes of God. And I want to be able to say just like Jesus did in John 17 verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Wouldn't that be incredible for us to be able to say when we stand before our Heavenly Father one day, the work that you gave me to do, Father, I finished it. I ran the race. I finished what you gave me to do, and I did it well. Wouldn't that be incredible? Eh? Rather than us getting there and saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't do anything you asked me to do. But we say, no, I finished the work that you gave me to do. So today I want us to look at that question. How do I know what it is that God wants me to do? And like I said, the key, the key to answering that question is the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, we're never going to know what it is that God wants us to do. So in John 14, verse 26, and I'm going to read out of the, the New King James Version, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send me in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all things that I said to you. And so the actual word that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit is the Counselor. And a counselor is one who guides, directs, and gives advice to another. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He advises us. He gives us direction. He points us to the Father. And we can see this from what we read here in Acts chapter 16. How when Paul wanted to go in one direction, the Holy Spirit said to him, No, I don't want you to go that way. This is the way I want you to go. And if we have a look throughout the book of Acts, we see this happening often, where the disciples wanted to go in one direction, but we see the Holy Spirit leading them where He wants them to go. See, it's the Holy Spirit who leads and guards us. So if we want to discover what God wants us to do, then we have to listen to the direction of the Holy Spirit. He knows why the Father created us. He knows what is on the Father's heart. And He's going to lead us where we need to go. So the first point here is, is to hear the counsel of the Spirit. There is something that I must do. So I have a responsibility. That's the first point. And that first point is I must actively participate in the community of faith. In other words, I must actively be involved in the church. You can't be a lone ranger out there just doing your own thing. You need to be involved in community. And we see that throughout the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 verse 6. We see this, it says, So when they had come together, you see they weren't alone, they'd come together. 
Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. See, the Holy Spirit speaks in the midst of community, in faith as we gather together. In Revelations 3 verse 22, it says, whoever hears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You see, so the Spirit speaks in the midst of community. And that's why if we're committed to hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, and if we're wanting to find out what the purposes of God are, then we need to be involved in the local church. And like I said, there are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. You cannot know God's specific call and plan for your life outside of being involved in the church. It's here where you get to know what God wants you to do. Secondly, is to focus on the work of the kingdom. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit always directed Paul and the apostles where to go to do God's work among his people. It's never about us. It's always about where God wants us to go. It's God's work, God's plan of salvation. In Jeremiah, and it's a scripture we know so well and we quote it so often, it's that scripture of, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Church, can I say that that scripture is so often misquoted. Yes, God does know the plans that he has for you. And he does want to give you a hope and a future. But it's not for you to sit and have a cushy life where everything is going to be kumbaya, my Lord, and I'm just going to sit here and I'm not going to do anything and it's going to be glorious and everything is just going to come to me and I'm going to prosper. No, that's not what it's about. It's about the kingdom of God. And God's going to give you what you need to build up his kingdom. And in that sense, the kingdom of God is going to prosper. And as the kingdom of God prospers, so your soul will prosper. It's not just to give you everything so that you can have this luxury life. God is not just about pleasing us. It's about his kingdom. And seeing his kingdom built up, seeing his kingdom extended. It's never just about us. It's about God and his purpose. So when the Spirit speaks, it's about the work and the mission of God. The word church in the Greek is called ecclesia. And ecclesia was a secular word that was referring to community leaders like a city council who are called out of the community to conduct city business. And so in the book of, uh, sorry, so Luke uses that same word when he calls us as the church, the ecclesia. He says we are the called out ones. We called out of the world to conduct the business of the church. We are called out of the world system to conduct and build up the kingdom of our, of our God. To carry the work and the purpose of God. Third, you have to nurture your 
your spirit to hear the promptings of the Spirit of God. And in Revelation, um, we see John on the Isle of Patmos, and he, he says this, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, now in, in those days, and for still the Jewish people, the Lord's day is the Sabbath, but what that refers to is that it's a day of worship, just like this morning where we come together as the greater community to worship our Heavenly Father. So the day is not important, it's the coming together in worship that is important. And it says, so John is in worship, and while in that place of worship, there he has, sorry, there he was in the spirit. In other words, he was ready to hear what God had to say to him. His heart was tuned in to what the Lord was saying. He could hear the voice of God. He'd spiritually prepared himself and got himself ready, saying, God, what is it that you are wanting to say? And I remember as a little boy in more traditional churches, coming in in the morning, and it's sad to say, but it was mostly ladies who you would see sitting around in the church, and they'd quieten themselves, and they were busy praying for the meeting in the morning because they wanted to hear from God. They wanted God to move, and it's sad that we don't see that happening much anymore where people quiet themselves to be able to hear what God is saying. So often we find ourselves on a Saturday night, we go to bed late in the, the evening, then we go to wake up on Sunday morning, and because we went to bed late, we wake up late Sunday morning, and now it's a big rush to get the family ready to get them to church. And by the time we get here, we are so rushed. There are so many things going through our minds most probably along the way we've had a fight with our wife or our husband or our kids along the way because of the rush of everything. And then we rush into the meeting and we're expecting God to speak to us. But our, our minds are so busy and so active that we battle to quieten them down to be able to hear what the Spirit is saying. And I believe that John is the key here that John is saying, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. In other words, I'd prepared myself. It was the day of worship, but I was already worshiping the Lord before I got here to that place of worship. I was already in tune with the Lord. I was ready to hear what he had to say. See, many times we walk in here and we haven't prepared ourselves to meet and to hear God. But John, the author of Revelation, had prepared himself to worship, tuning his spirit to hear the voice and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying. And by using this analogy, John is saying he not only heard God, but he heard God loud and clear. Isn't that incredible? 
the more in tune we are with the Spirit, the louder the voice of God is going to be. And the more clear the voice of God is going to be. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear God more clearly. And I'm sure that that is the desire of your heart as well, is to hear God more clearly. For us to do that, we need to quieten ourselves, get to that place where we are still and we can know our God. How do we get to hear the voice of God more clearly? It's through daily prayer. It's through reading the Word of God. It's through meditating on the Word of God. It's creating space in our life where you can just be still and hear. Most of us rush around from one week to the next because our lives are so busy that we never have time to quieten down and to actually hear the voice of God. When God spoke to Elijah, he said to him, you have to go to the mountain of the Lord, to Mount Horeb. Go there. It wasn't the place that was important. What was important was to get away from everything that was going on. Get yourself to a place where all the distractions of the world are not consuming you. And you can quieten yourself down to hear what God is saying. And so can I say to us as a church, let's find a place, whether it's in our room or in the closet or out in the garden somewhere, just a place where we can get away from it all, quieten ourselves down so that we can hear the voice of God. We can see that when Elijah was on the mountain, God didn't speak to Elijah in the fire or the earthquake or with the deafening wind, but he spoke to him in a gentle whisper. And too many of us are so rushed and there's so many other voices in our heads that when God speaks, tries to speak to us in that quiet, still voice, we don't hear him because there's too many other voices running around in our heads. So let's quieten ourselves down to be able to hear. Fourth is that the Spirit equips us. Every believer, when we come to faith in Christ, is given a spiritual gift. And that spiritual gift is there so that we can do the work of the ministry that God has called us to. God doesn't just tell us to go and serve but he gives us gifts and he equips us to be able to use those gifts to serve him. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, it says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. And then in verse 7, it says, To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Spiritual gifts are special abilities that God gives us so that we can take his word out into this world and go and be a blessing to others. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. So you can't say to me, I don't have a gift. I want to say to you, no, you do have a gift. God has given you a gift. You may not know what it is yet, but if you'll hang around with us for long enough, 
We'll show you and we'll help you to discover the gift that God has given you. And that gift is to enable us to do the miraculous work of God. Spiritual gifts answer that what question of what am I to do? See, the Spirit also equips us with passion. Your heart is where your passion resides. And passion is that God-given desire to make a difference somewhere. That thing that gets you up in the morning. It's like they say when, when people find their passion in their workplace, they want to get there to be able to do the work that they need to do. And it's the same in the kingdom of God. When we discover what God has created us for, there's a passion inside of us and we want to run with that thing. We want to do it. And your passion might be to work with people, to help people. Um, yeah, it's that thing that's going to consume your mind. It moves us to action. It focuses our life in such a way that we have an impact on those around us. And your, your passion might revolve around people or around causes and issues. And if your passion revolves around people, it can be to work with children, to work with the aged, to work with those who have gone through difficult times in their lives, those that are going through divorce with the single people, or if it revolves around causes, it could be issues like injustice, the environment, hunger. It could be things like that. And identifying our passion answers the where question. Where does God want me to serve using the spiritual gifts that he's given me? And I just think of the story of Moses when God gave him the instruction to build the tabernacle. And we see that God gave him people who were skilled in many different areas to be able to do what God wanted them to do. And we read it here during our fast time. How, let me just get the guy's name here. Bazel, son of Uri, God gave him the ability to work with silver, with gold, with wood, with bronze. This man was skilled. Why did God give him all those skills? To be able to help others make the articles that were necessary in the tabernacle. And so God has given you skills. God has given you gifts. Yes, we do take those and we use them out in the world, but the primary function that God has given them to you for is for building up his kingdom, taking them and using it to extend the kingdom of God and to touch people's lives. Fifthly, we receive the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we serve God. If we look here at Paul, Going back to that scripture, Paul wanted to go to some of these towns that are difficult to pronounce. And we see the Holy Spirit saying to him, no, that's not where I want you to go. 
this is where I want you to go. I want you to go to Macedonia. And we see Paul saw a vision of a man in Macedonia. And the Holy Spirit saying, Paul, that's where I want you to go. But you see what we find Paul, Paul is already doing the work of the ministry. He's not sitting there at home saying, God, will you show me what I need to do? God, when are you going to show me what to do? No, Paul had read, well, he'd read the words of, that had been spoken before. And he realized that he had to do something. And it was in that doing something that the Holy Spirit came and said to him, No, Paul, this is not where I want you to go. This is where I want you to go. So we can't sit at home and say, God, show me what I must do. Show me where I must go. And then we sit and wait. No, we get up and we start going. And it's while we are going that the Holy Spirit comes and he leads us and he guides us where God wants us to go. It was in his service that he was directed. See, it was while he was busy, in mid-course, the Holy Spirit came and said, Paul, this is where you need to go. It's not that the Holy Spirit didn't want him to go to those places because the Holy Spirit didn't want him to share the word there. No. There was a need in Macedonia, and they needed Paul there at that time, and that's why he had to go there. It's in the process of serving that the Holy Spirit speaks. The Spirit speaks in the midst of while we are doing the work. We actively have to be involved about the business of God. And as we do, we hear through the Holy Spirit the voice and the will of God. And then the last point is point six. Life's purpose is identified through persistent service. Let me say that again. Life's purpose is identified through persistent service. If we look at Paul, he was persistently serving. He was persistently wanting to carry out the work that Jesus had called him to. And it was in that persistent service, while he was busy doing the work of God, that that night while he was sleeping, he saw a vision of what he had to go and do. Paul had already been serving, but it was in that service, while he was tuned in to what the Holy Spirit was doing, that he could see that vision and know this is where I need to go. And here's the problem for many of us. We're trying to figure out what God wants us to do. And there's so much to choose from. Paul's vision didn't tell him what he should do. Paul's vision showed him where he should go. You see, he was already doing what he needed to do. But it was the Holy Spirit drawing alongside of him and saying, while you're busy doing this work, Paul, this is where I need you to go. And so I want to say to us as a church, we cannot just sit and be idle. It's like when Craig Mayer was here. He said, all the robots are green. You go until God says to you, now stop. We don't first stop and wait. 
and wait for the robot to turn green. No, they're already green. You go and do the work of God. You say to me, Dion, how do I know what the work of God is? Go and read the Word. The Word will tell you what we need to be doing. We need to be taking this gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be telling people the good news about what Jesus did on the cross for us. How Jesus died and through his death, he conquered sin and he conquered the grave. And through Jesus, we can have eternal life if we will repent and turn from our sins. People need to hear that because people are going to a Christless eternity. People are going to hell because they don't know the good news of Jesus' salvation. And so we need to be taking that good news into our workplaces, into our schools, into the shopping malls, into our nation, to the ends of the earth. Because everybody needs to hear. And you see, Paul, that had gripped Paul's heart. And while he was about doing the Father's business, the Holy Spirit directed him where he needs to go. You might say to me, Dion, but how, where's the finances going to come from? You see, we spend so much of our time pursuing how we're going to get finances. But we see Paul pursued the purposes of God. He didn't pursue his job and his finances. Yes, they were there. Paul was a tent maker. And we can see that sometimes Paul had to work and go and make tents so that the gospel could go out. But actually Paul was about the father's business. And it was while he was about the Father's business that the Father provided for him. And if we will go and do what the Father asks us to, if we will be obedient, he will provide for us. You see, but it's in our going. If we're not going, why does he need to provide for us? But it's in the going that provision is made. So how can I begin the journey to discover my life's purpose? Ask three questions. Where do you see the greatest need? If there is a need in your heart that grows to become a passion, it's God that has done that. Second, what is my passion? If there's one thing that you could do in this world, what would it be? And I'm not talking about, for me, I've got a passion, I love motorbikes and I love racing. That's not the kind of passion I'm talking about here. <laughs> yes, God can even use that, but it's what, what burns your heart in the things of God. Because it's God that has put that there. And he wants to use that for his kingdom. And thirdly, how can I use my gift to meet that need. The gift God has given you, he hasn't just given it to you for the sake of you using it to bless yourself. That gift that God has given you is for the nations. It's to bless the peoples of this world and to make a, different in, a difference in their lives. So I trust this morning that with what I've shared will help us 
to discover a bit more about knowing what God wants us to do. But can I say to us, can I just remind us that we cannot sit idle and expect God to come and show us what we must do. It's in us being obedient to getting up and starting to do something that God starts revealing to us what his plan and purpose is for our lives. And he has a great plan and purpose for each and every one of our lives. And next week we're going to start looking at that as we, we start looking at that purpose course and discussing more around the purpose of why God created us. And I'm really trusting that that is going to get deep down into our hearts and it's going to set us free to be able to, to really just carry out the work that God has created us for. So can we pray together? Father, I pray for each and every person that is here this morning that you will show them the purpose that they have been created for. That age-old question of why am I here, that when someone asks them that question, why are you here, that they will be able to answer straight away, because Jesus put me here, and I'm here for a purpose, and this is my purpose. And these are the gifts that he's given me to be able to carry out that purpose. And so, Father, I pray that for each one of us that you will reveal to us, why am I here? Why you created us? And Father, I pray that it will be clear for us. And that these points that I've given, that they will help us to be able to just get clarity on that point. If you've come into this place this morning... And you don't know the Jesus that we've been singing about, the Jesus that I've been speaking about. And there is something stirring in your heart and you're saying, man, I'd love to know more about Jesus. That is the Holy Spirit that is at work in your heart. Don't try and silence that voice. Let that voice start speaking louder. Because the Holy Spirit wants you to come to know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And so this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, and that's something that you would love to do, can I ask you to come and speak to me at the end of the meeting? And I'd love to just pray with you and just take a few moments to explain to you what it means to be a child of God. But don't leave here not knowing Jesus. It's the best and greatest decision you'll ever make. Giving Jesus your life. Letting him be the Lord and ruler of your life. It's the most exciting life, even like you heard Norman saying, this morning that there are difficult times yes there are difficult times being a child of God but man the Holy Spirit is there to lead and guide us and he will help us and it's not just all shoulder to the grindstone and it's not just all difficult and even when we are going through those difficult times they are times of rejoicing and times of celebration because we know where our strength comes from 
And so you don't have to think that Christians are morbid and that, yeah, it's just life's a battle. No, that's not. We walk in victory because of the victory Jesus has given us. And so if you want to know more about Jesus, come and speak to me or to, to one of the other leaders. And we'd love to just explain to you how you can become a child of God. Father, I pray your blessing upon these wonderful people. May they go from strength to strength. May they fulfill the purpose to which you have called them, for which they were born. May they fulfill it. I ask this in your wonderful and precious name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day. For the visitors, remember there's a free cappuccino for you. And uh, let's enjoy some fellowship together. Amen.